Welcome to Humans of Fintech, the podcast where I share the inspiring stories of diverse leaders bringing equity to financial systems through fintech. I'm Nicole Casperson. What up, Fintech fam? Nicole Casperson here, and welcome to another episode of Humans of Fintech. I'm sitting down with Katie Polinchar, Managing Director, Global Head of Venture Studio at Anthemis, and she leads the Female Innovators Lab Fund in partnership with Barclays, investing in early stage female founders in fintech. Katie was also a founder herself before becoming an investor, so you know our girl knows what's up. In this episode, Katie and I talk about the story that led her to be a fintech investor, the pipeline problem myth, and how embedded finance can unlock funding for more female founders and bring more women into the fintech workforce. We also talk about how industry events and media attention need to change the narrative around funding for female fintech founders and a whole lot more. We really get into the tea here in this episode and Katie and I had a lot of fun recording live in our studio in Williamsburg. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Katie. Katie, thank you so much for joining me on Humans of Fintech. I'm so excited to have you on the show to... This is actually like a more special episode. So we are going to dive into who you are, but we're also going to dive into some very, very real and actionable steps and processes to change that pesky 2% of VC funding dollars going to women. So that's a little teaser of what we're going to talk about. (laughs) Thank you. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to get into those topics. Yes. Okay. Well, first... The people got to learn a little bit more about you. So give us the quick intro for how you got into the VC space. I mean, as a female in VC, especially focusing on the fintech space, you are a unicorn over at Anthemis. (laughs) But tell us a bit about it. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think everyone's story kind of has those, well, how did I get here? But then when you look back, you kind of see how all these connections played out. So I had my own early stage tech company in the data services space, Uh, started it about 11 years ago, actually. And what I realized at the time, I just didn't see, even before I started the company, I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't meet the first female founder of a tech company until I was 29 years old. Wow. I'm revealing some of my age right now. I realize (laughs) this, but I think it's important to the story. right. And so that was the first time in my life where I was like, oh, wow, like I can do something like this. And that introduced me to the whole world of raising money, And I quickly realized what a journey it was and how difficult it was. And, you know, was fortunate that the company was acquired five years later, went on to work for the acquiring company and was working more in the data services space, selling into education, publishers market. But what I kept seeing pop up was kind of convergence of finance there. Mm. And what I started to realize is that fintech finance, embedded finance was really merging with every single sector. And as we look at connections, I realized that's where I wanted to go next. Next. And so I came into Anthemis a little bit over three years ago to launch the Female Innovators Lab Fund, uh, early stage fund focused on female founders in fintech. I am at Anthemis Group. We are a global fintech VC investing across all types of founders from pre-seed to growth. Hell yeah. And interestingly, one of your founders, Amy Naokis, was like my third episode of Humans of Fintech. And she, in a similar way, you know, I got into the space almost feeling that outsider thing, right? That what you talked about, right? Oh my gosh, it took to 28 
you know, for me, I'm so close for me to finally meet these women, to see that there are people out there that are building in this space and creating in this space. And I was like, so just like my it's like my jaw dropped meeting this woman for the first time. Absolutely. And I think Anthemist, it's a really interesting place because people are coming from all different types of backgrounds. And that's what I've really enjoyed working. You won't see the same profile of mm. a person. Oh. And you learn so much from that. And I think it, it's really brings into how we look at deals and the types of companies we invest mm. in as well. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, kind of one of the first things that Anthemist really does for kind of for the for the industry is really one immediately debunks the common myth that comes with, OK, well, only two percent or it's less now. Right. Um, of female founders in the fintech space receive venture capital funding. But you debunk that by the thousands and thousands of you know pitches and founders that you do speak to. And so there is no pipeline problem. But feel free to like elaborate sure. on how that's such a reality for you and the work you do day to day. So, I mean, I shared my background and all the experiences I'm bringing to this. And I often tell this story, but it's just so important. The night before I started this job, you know, again, a little bit over three years ago, I'm laying in bed that night thinking female founders, fintech, pre-seed, do these founders exist? And this is me who has been living in, and breathing this before I started this role. And I realized I even had the bias at the mm-hmm, time. So mm-hmm. you can only imagine what other people, their experiences they're bringing. And we quickly, with a lot of hard work, really shattered that misconception. There are massive amounts of female founders in fintech, embedded finance, and tech. We have seen over 2,000 female founders in fintech, again, at these earliest stages, mm-hmm. too. And so Anthemis has over 200 portfolio companies, and we are at 28% of our founders are female. So much more work to do. But I think it really validates something, especially, and I know we're going to get to it, is like where we're going for 2023, that now we have shattered that notion and the data is there. Now what? Right. Well, and it's like, so what do you run into, you know, someone that hears all of that and is like, still doesn't believe you? Like, what do you got? I'm like, do I got to show you the pipeline I'm working with here or what? Right. And I really appreciated our conversation. I think that's what led to this, to having, you know, me on as a guest. And I appreciate that when we were at Money 2020. And I think that was one of those reckoning moments for me. And it was it was a tough moment when I left and I'm on the flight and I'm realizing a lot of the conversations that I'm having with other investors are they're acknowledging, oh, wow, that's amazing. I just don't really see a mm-hmm. lot of female founders in fintech, but, you know, we'll let you know. And, and I'm over there saying we invest across all types of founders. This is where I'm specifically focused. But then my mind started to go to, well, if they don't think there's a massive pipeline in market, what is their misconception about why we're investing in these companies? And it started to concern me because I'm just thinking they don't think that there's a lot out there. And for the first time, I knew that people thought that, but just to hear it mm-hmm. repeatedly, right? It's one thing if you're reading an article, then you go back. And I'm in a bubble a lot. You know, I often say this at Anthemis because we're around so many female founders. We're majority female mm-hmm. investors, majority female investment decision makers, female co-founded. And it just hit me because I kept hearing it over and over again. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, it feels like even as someone who's on the reporting side covering the industry, I feel like. I don't even know of a time when I've written anything other than 2%, less than 2%. We're going backwards. 
Like what's going on? And then on the other side, sometimes you go to an event like, you know, Money 2020 and you'll hear people be like, you know, oh, well, fintech's the best it's ever been. You know, we're the most inclusive we've ever been. I mean, and that could be true in some ways, but like, right, it was still so much work to do. So I think people sometimes think, oh, well, where's the action? Where's the action? And we're going to get to that. But there's still a lot of work and even just the awareness part. Clearly, if we're going to like conferences in 2022 and 2023 and still even hearing it. Yeah. Even outside of, you know, money 2020 or early stage fintech, I know you speak on a lot of panels that kind of converge different worlds of media and tech. And you're still blown away that people, you know, I think we're just like, oh, the statistic again, you know, the 2%. And then people are like, really? Yeah. There's, And I also am now, I'm like, where do I start? Do I focus on that? Because I'm kind of ready to push forward mm-hmm. among that. But I think it's a really interesting point. Still an awareness issue. So we have to remember that. But I want to also talk quickly about this piece of research uh, that I've been pretty obsessed with, but really just gave me the receipts I needed to solidify something that I hear from female founders all the time. Even Sally Krawcheck herself testified this in front of Congress, sharing that. And this is from a piece of research published in the organization Science that examined over 2,000 startups and found that female-founded firms that receive funding from female VCs are two times less likely to receive their second round of funding due to an assumption that the founder only received the first round because the female VC wanted to support another woman. So immediate reaction to that. So I had not seen that report when I was at Money 2020, but then I had seen it. I think it came out before that. And in one hand, I was, you know, just like, oh, gosh. But then on the other hand, I was just kind of completely validated and mm-hmm. this isn't in my head. Right. Right. So you take that and I love what you said about receipts. Okay. We have some receipts and it's more so what are we going to do next with this? I'm sadly not surprised that this is what we're seeing. I think what's frustrating too, and it's, it's hard to admit, but I'm, I'm willing to admit it here on this podcast is I have a lot of data too, because I'm seeing female founders raise in the market. I'm seeing how many meetings they're taking because through our lab and our studio, we work very closely and just across, you know, portfolios and talking with other investors as well. Mm -hmm. And I think we're seeing it's scary to talk about it because if you start talking about it and saying, yeah, we're seeing this, then you worry about what you're signaling in the market about those companies. Mm -hmm. And then you start sending more deals to more female investors because you know that they're not doing that, but they get it and will look Mm -hmm. at the business objectively. Not that men won't, but just when you look Mm -hmm. at the the research. right? And so then it's like, are we perpetuating a cycle? Is it hard to talk about things because we don't want to affect our companies? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm stuck right now. And I'm continuing to figure that out. I have some ideas and goals for 2023. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of them, and I know we've, you know, you know, you and I connect a, a lot on this topic of bringing more men into the conversation. We have the 2%. We have the stats. We have the read receipts. We have the report. Let's start bringing more men into the conversation, events, deal flow. Yeah. You know, and, and really make that objective. I think we've done a phenomenal job as women over the past five plus years, right? We have Chief and mm-hmm. we have so many, you know, all raised and we have so many amazing organizations. Okay, let's leverage that and then let's, Mm -hmm. We know what's needed. 
How can we bring more men and uh, more VCs into the conversation? Exactly. Us? Well, and it's like two things. Well, one, there's more than enough female, you know, support out there, especially between the organizations, between the even content. Well, like plug myself, but like there are plenty of organizations out there that are, you know, down to support women and do what needs to be done on that side. So, you know, it's exactly it's how do we take that next step and ensure that this is a buy in from everyone. Right. We don't want to live in a world where it's like, OK, well, women like to invest in women and men like to invest in yeah. men. And that's just how it is. And you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And it's like, no, this is <laughs> we're not done. I, and exactly to your point that the receipts just validate the feelings that we have so that we can properly move forward. And we don't necessarily want to just continue to perpetuate like a negative stat onto women. And I see like how that's such a you know, that's right. such a conflict. Look in at, your, look at right? every funding yeah. funding announcement for female founders, the stats in every announcement. Yeah. I mean, or even just to see, you know, like a recent one, uh, uh, her name is Amy Kamadzi. She just raised like six million dollars for a company called Sika Health. And the, mm -hmm. you know, headline is like black female founder that. raises six million dollars by leaning into her differences. And it's like amazing. And we want to amplify this. But exactly like to, it's such a it can feel sometimes like a double edged sword because we're like still kind of being like, you know, yes, she beat the odds and we need to acknowledge that. And that is amazing. But, you know, also, why can't she be report like reported on like anyone else? You know, it's not like white male raises. <laughs> Right. And, and I want, you know, VCs to read that and really want to learn about her business yeah. because they might follow on and invest later and not think that that headline doesn't necessarily apply to them because that's not you know, right. Right, something right. to connect with. Right. It's right. the same with like if a man comes up to me and is like, oh, should I can I go to your event? Can I come to your dinner? Can I read your content? And I'm like, please do. Yes. <laughs> I would love for you to. I'm in by no means trying to make this industry any more exclusionary. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and I think that's what we're bonding over for 2023. I have a story for you that my colleague was at a dinner and an investor said to her, oh, Female Innovators Lab Fund, don't you think that's sexist? And we kind of debriefed on how we would react to that going forward. And we decided that our comment is going to be, well, we also only invest in fintech and embedded finance. So we're sectorist. <laughs> <as well. laughs> That's like, uh, I, I love that. I'm going to pull that one for sure. The <laughs> next time I have someone ask me a silly question when I'm on a panel or something. <laughs> but OK, yes. So I do want to talk about embedded finance now because I'm so excited. Yes. How thrilled. Um, I'm ready. Yes. I want to talk about how you're thinking of embedded finance as this avenue to really unlock funding for more female founders in fintech. I'm basically obsessed with this, so I'm so excited to get to this. So when we started this fund with an anthemis, I quickly started to see, and it wasn't intentional, and I can't say, oh, I started out with this intentional strategy but as I looked across the founders we were seeing, you know, one of our founders came from an e-commerce background, had a lot of physical product businesses. She was on Shark Tank and then really started to look at how she built in payment solutions into her product. But she doesn't come from, you know, a straight, you know, capital markets background. Mm -hmm. Then we had another co-founder. She was an engineer at Reddit. 
started building the fintech space. I could go on and on. We have founders that have more traditional finance backgrounds, and we're interested in all these types of founders. But as we looked across, you know, we started to see everyone came from this really interesting, different background and even different sectors. Mm. Right. And so what I realized is, oh, well, that's where there's a majorly untapped opportunity, especially if you look at a lot of investors and backgrounds that they may have come from. Again, not necessarily intentional, but they've got their networks of Mm -hmm. where they're where they're searching. So that really sparked something for me. And what I started to see is that they were hiring women. We were bringing more women in that didn't necessarily think that they would be in fintech. Mm-hmm. And then this like, you know, this network effect, well, if yeah. you will, started to happen. And I realized also even some of the businesses that we were seeing, you know, investors were like, I never saw that. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's in the beauty space, but it's working with payments. So maybe that's one of the reasons if if you're looking, mm-hmm. you weren't looking across different sectors as well. So I think as we look at the report, we get more women involved in fintech and it's not going to look like everyone will look the same on paper. But we start, I love what you said, this swell. Gosh, I think it's getting to such the root of the problem that we see the gender disparity basically across the board in fintech. And so if you think about it, like, and even I'm like guilty of this, if we've just been thinking so narrow mindedly at okay, well, like, we got to figure it out in fintech, we got to get more women like into fintech by way of fintech, um, or finance and banking only, right, you know, it's like, duh, of course, we should be looking at other, you know, industries, of course, we should be looking at adjacent industries. And that's what makes, well, that's what actually makes financial technology so exciting is yes, it's meant to help fix the financial system that we're currently dealing with. But it's capability of fixing the cracks in the system for other outdated systems through the financial technology, right? Healthcare um, is, is huge. And then when you touch these other industries, beauty, right? Or like retail, whatever it is, then exactly you create this like funnel Mm-hmm. for more women to see fintech as an opportunity for success. Yes, you cannot be what you cannot see. Yeah. And that's really going to be key. I mean, if you it would be a fun poll actually to say to someone like on the street, you know, what do you think a founder in fintech looks like? Mm-hmm. Right? I have founders right now that they were a lawyer for 30 years in the sustainability space, founders that are straight out of college and working in R&D and mobility. And on paper, would you say right off the bat, oh, that's a fintech founder? Mm -hmm. But they are. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that is going to be really interesting as more and more women start to see that. And it kind of comes full circle with my story. I just didn't even really see it as option. I think even in fintech, too, like 10 years ago, I thought probably most of the technology was like capital markets and RIA. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Or just like online banking only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like, gosh, and one of the things that I'm I try to address as much as I can, largely on social media is, you know, the amount of DMs that I receive from women that want to enter fintech, whether it's through the workforce, like whether it's through even if they're a marketer, but they find fintech fascinating and they love the mission of inclusivity and they just want to be a part of it. Um, and do that for a company, right? Or whatever it is, whatever piece they want to be involved in and whatever their expertise is, but they don't think that they can apply for a job in fintech unless they have a finance or a banking or a technology yes. background. And that is just simply not the case. I mean, back to the healthcare example that founder I mentioned, Amy, earlier, I mean, she's in healthcare. She's not <laughs> a finance human. And so 
But she has been in this industry, in the healthcare system, you know, long enough and has enough expertise in it to see a gap in most of Americans don't actually use their HSA money. And those are the markets that we need to tap. I mean, we've seen the past three years, things have gotten very saturated. Yeah. Right. So what's going to happen is we need we need more consumers. We need more market share. Mm-hmm. Right. And so those types of founders are going to bring in more market share and more revenue opportunities in my perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is such an argument for why we need the buy in from everyone, because we can't just have it's like you need the buy in from men, women and people across industries, basically. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, again, traditional finance backgrounds are going to converge and help support these businesses, right? What are tools? What are banks? What are APIs? What's the infrastructure? And everyone needs to come together to get these businesses off the ground. And that's one of the ways that investors differentiate themselves as well. So bringing in all of those skills to help support these embedded finance businesses, I think also is going to be where we we look to see some real opportunity for 2023. Mm-hmm. Right. And it can almost feel like this, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom in fintech right now. Yes. But if we had, right, if we, we opened the door, right, and created this swell of other people from other industries kind of being fintech adjacent and solving problems for, you know, between, I mean, climate tech is huge, huge. right? And we've talked about healthcare. And I mean, are there any, what other industries should we be like, looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think in the sustainability space, mm-hmm. like to your mm-hmm. point of climate tech, you know, you know, we're interested in mobility and where that intersects with not only payments, but sustainability as well. Digital health, identity, identity and digital wallets, right? I think we're going to, and I think we might get to this, but I think digital wallets, we're going to go to a place in the future where there's going to be digital wallets integrated in our how we maintain our clothing, mm-hmm. how we resell it, right? Which ties into sustainability. And you're just going to see this convergence. Fintech embedded finance. I mean, I think it's one of the only sectors that, you know, we like to say to Anthemis, it's the nervous system of the economy, that everyone, every single day is interacting in some way, mm-hmm. right? And so they're going to bring their unique experiences, their unique skills into this market. And it's like a, a whether you know it or not, you're interacting with it in some way. Yes. I think one of my like other favorite examples is from a session I was watching with uh, Jenny Just, who is an investor who powers uh, Apex Fintech yes. Solutions. Poker player. Yeah, the poker player. And uh, I know I got to get on my poker game. Me but anyways, um, she, but she was sharing how like what like dating apps, you know, why can't embedded finance inc- be incorporated Absolutely. into that world where, you know, it's solving a real a pain point. You go on a date with a hinge match and you <laughs> don't know how to split the bill or you don't know how to take like do call the cabs or whatever, like splitting the financial element of that. But just L- like looking at his earning income potential yeah, or her yeah, earning before income going potential. on the date. <laughs> I mean, we should just transparency. We should just open it up. <laughs> anyway, my producer's like, oh, I don't know. I, I like He's this. Like, Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes. Yeah, so, okay. Embedded finance. Let's see. The kind of addresses the like shifting of the narrative. And, you know, the kind of the discussions we have at, at industry events, which I know is something we also wanted to talk about. Talk to me about how we're like, I guess maybe I guess missing the mark when we have these industry events and like not actually kind of talking about this, right? This is a panel. Like this should be on a panel every year. 
Like until yeah, people I mean, get it. Let's do like what's your strategy for pipeline building and yeah. interview people and start having those conversations, like almost like working sessions, mm-hmm. if you will. And not just that we as women investors think that we have all the answers. It's like, let's talk to, you know, other types of investors and see what their strategies are. What can we bring to the table? How can we set up founders for success? Everyone, no matter what their background, if a firm, you know, has a certain profile of investor can bring something to this conversation. Like, And I think that's where we got a little off track where it's like, well, no, this, you know, we're over here in this bucket and some people are over here in this bucket. And so I'd like to see like more industry events where even if it's about a certain topic, right, about underrepresented founders or inclusivity and media and stories Mm. that all types of investors are coming. And look, VC, it's historically an industry that's had a lot of FOMO. And so let's build the FOMO the other way, right? Oh, Mm. I should be at this event. Mm-hmm, exactly. Industry events, we're kind of missing the mark there mm-hmm. on actually talking about this properly. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there is an opportunity for, you know, again, we're talking about like, what's the next phase mm-hmm. of all this? So almost like working sessions, everyone coming to the table and it's tough, right? I know we're competitive and we're investors, but we're also collaborative. It's the weirdest industry yes. in that way, right? <laughs> you know, I want to share these deals, but I'm also afraid of missing out. But I, I think there's a real opportunity to the point of missing out where if we can start having numerous people from all different firms, backgrounds, a part of this, you know, we are an industry of FOMO. So if we're at an industry event that's around underrepresented founders or, you know, underrepresented voices in media, making sure that we can build something as well that people want to be a part of it, Mm -hmm. right? And that they don't feel that this is just not something for them. Right. Because right. then, then we've like created the reverse situation. Correct. <laughs> I mean, it's why I never intentionally, you know, wanted my content to be only for women or like my community or my events. You know, it's really because that's right. What's the opposite of just like of men only is like women only. It's like right. not really what I'm trying to do here. I want it to be female centric, but with that, like with the male and understanding of that's okay too. Right. <laughs> like it doesn't mean anything, you know, less. It doesn't mean and you know anything against you, right? There's like sometimes all these like feelings can come up and I'm sure you may, like kind of face that. Right. Often. Yes. Especially given what you do. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, you know, like I mentioned, I always feel that I have to say Anthem invests across all types mm-hmm. of founders, because when we hear that we have, you know, a specific fund focused on this or we have a certain area that we're interested in, then there's just this like misconception that that's all we do. And we get it a lot too, being all female and not all, but majority female mm-hmm. investors that people just often say, oh, I, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, out of your 200 portfolio companies, you're investing across globally every type of founder. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, so I think moving away from those misconceptions is part of bringing everyone mm. into the room, into the conversation. Exactly. Focusing on women does not mean it's not come at the expense of excluding men or anyone. Exactly. And your portfolio proves that. This is amazing. As we kind of round out the discussion, I would love to ask you, you know, if, if we need to be the change that we wish to see, what change what big change do you wish to see in fintech and how do you embody it? 
Yes. I think the big change, there's so much that I want to say. <laughs> like, we said a lot. We, say, we shared so yeah. many here. Um, the big change that I would like to see in fintech is actually around this embedded finance of a right of you know, investors starting to look across different sectors and look for founders that come from different backgrounds. I think what happens is even maybe from male founded companies, because the networks are, are, you know, very insular in some ways, what we've seen through research, et cetera, that they're able to network out of industries into the fintech industry, mm. right? So, oh, I worked in cybersecurity. I know someone who worked in product, in finance. Hence, I can get to this fintech community, right? And so I think the more we start doing that across sectors, I think it presents a really interesting opportunity. And then we're also validating there continues to be a lot of female founders in fintech. Right, right. Well, we need to create that cycle for women as well. Well, the thing that we felt, right? Yes. I had no idea that this was even an option for me. I met someone who showed me that that it is an option. I come from a whole other place, but like brought like I can be brought into this as well, right? I'm like an embedded product of of fintech, right? In a sense, but via media. <laughs> like and but I feel very much a part of the community. I feel very much like I'm almost like I'm building in it too and have so much like commonality um yes. with female fintech founders, which I never thought was was going to happen impossible. to me. Exactly. Impossible. Exactly. Yeah, love it. Yes. Anyway, so I feel like the key takeaways, right, is like, let's do it. Yes. One is obviously shifting kind of the narrative and continuing the awareness around this alleged pipeline problem that is not real. And you prove it with the thousands and thousands of, of founders that you, you know, speak to and, and see. The second is the realm of embedded finance and that kind of being, is that like your main, one of your, that's your big main goal, right? For 2023? Yes. Embedded finance. I, I would think the other goal too is just to bring more men into the conversation yep. and discuss what they're seeing, what their thoughts are on the topic and sharing great companies with them. I think the other thing that I want to mention is on the media. I would love to mm -hmm. see more media stories talking about the actual business and not Tear down stories are actually really sexy for some reason and they yeah. seem to sell. So I would love to kind of get more very like, you know, deep into fintech, what they're building, what the industry is, what the problems are, and not have to kind of call out for that headline for female founders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And it's a lot of the reason why I built what I built in journalism, right? It's the if it bleeds, it leads and that like, <laughs> it's just like a weird thing. Um I didn't make it up, but that's what they teach you. And but it's something new. Yes. <laughs> yes. From adjacent industries. <laughs> yes. CMT, you're learning. And we're teaching each other things. But seriously, it's like if it bleeds, it leads. So, you know, you go for like that gut punch is what's supposed to write. That sells papers, it sells headlines, it does the thing. It's like very real. And it's why I was like, nah. Like I think that good is just as sexy and we should make that a reality for everyone. And it can be front page news and not you know, a subsection on the diversity radar. Um, yeah. And I think those are like the elements. Those are the elements that we need and the very like logical steps, you know, to get there. I think sometimes the idea is, okay, well, we just need gender parity at the check writing level. Absolutely. Yes. But it's so much more. We can't just be like, cool, I'll wait. Right. So that happens. Like waiting is not. No, that, that's the thing. And I think we could all just lay down off of that study and say, oh, well, this is what it's telling us. And if they're backed by female investors, like we just have to keep 
going forward. We have to keep trying new things. We right. Look at, you know, again, five years ago, this research wasn't even out. Mm -hmm. Right. And look at how it's shifted. Here we are having this conversation with a fund, a media company. So what's next? Yeah. Right. All female founded. Hell yeah. Okay, And then my last question for you would be, what is a piece of advice you would give to our listeners who are still feeling like outsiders to the industry? Sure. I think we one way is to start looking for those networks and groups of people that want to learn. Mm -hmm. And because you will want to learn and you're going to find the right people in those networks. If it's people that think that they have all the answers and they're experts, those aren't the people that, you know, are going to be open necessarily to new ideas. Right. And so you're building that network. Go find, you know, groups, organizations that, you know, that are digging into certain fintech topics, having certain conversations. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? One, you'll build your network. Two, you're going to learn a lot, which is going to continue to push you further and further into fintech and your knowledge base. Totally agree. I love my fintech community, but I even I know I have to, you know, that can't be the only thing that fills my cup. I have to look at other communities too, right? Outside of just this one, um, outside of even just like my female centric one, right? Like I go to other places and speak to people from other industries, building in other spaces. And I'm constantly inspired by what they are capable of doing. And sometimes getting away out of my little fintech nerd mind and yeah. seeing what other people are doing is such in hospitality and healthcare and other industries. That. You just get so like, oh, you know, how could fintech help that? Yes. And that's what we're kind You're of... You're immersed in the problem, yeah. not necessarily all of the solutions that exist right. out there. Oh, my gosh. And as we know, in our in our world, the hardest part is sometimes just addressing the problem. We like to always get to solutions right away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Katie, thank you so much for joining thank me on Humes of Fintech. So fun. Yes, this has been awesome. I feel like it's the beginning. Yes, it's the uh, beginning. it is. It is. I feel like we're in this new, you know, I, I feel the momentum. I think we're in this new era where where people are ready to not just talk about the 2%. At least, you know what? We're ready. We're ready. And that's what matters. We're ready. We're going to have a post-mortem <laughs> after Money 2020. I, I think know. the conversation is going to be really interesting. I know. And hopefully very different. Yes. Thanks to the work that we're doing. So love yeah. it. Yeah. Sweet. You are welcome. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. To hear our next story from another diverse leader, be sure to tune in next week. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to our show and give it a five-star rating as it helps our message reach more people who want to find belonging too. Thanks for tuning in.